Welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia, hosted by me, Jeff Norris, along with my co-host, Laura Story Elvington. This podcast aims to equip you to follow Jesus by digging deeper into the teachings and topics of the Bible, the culture at large, and life in general. We're excited that you've joined us as we explore the treasures of God's Word and apply its teachings to our lives as followers of Christ. In this season, we're digging deeper into our series, Love Rules, a study through the Ten Commandments and their relevance to us today. So throughout this season, we'll feature many exciting guests who will help us sort through what Scripture has to say and how it impacts how we're to live as citizens of the Kingdom of God. We're so glad you joined us. Now let's jump into today's discussion. We are so glad that you've tuned in again for another episode of Digging Deeper, and uh, we're going we're gonna to continue in our conversation on the fourth commandment of honor the Sabbath and, and keep it holy. Laura's joining me as always, uh, my faithful co-host here, but we have the great privilege of having, uh, if you're a perimeter folk, you know this man well, this is... Uh, our founding pastor, Randy Pope, if you're not, if you're tuning in, you're not uh, a member or, or a attender of Perimeter Church, uh, then uh, get to know Randy Pope uh, online, Google him, listen to his teaching, a phenomenal leader and um, a great influence in my life and so many others here at Perimeter. And um, Randy, there are a million things we could talk to you about, Yeah. Uh, but one of the things among many, that you have, in our circle, and really even throughout the country, have become uh, known for is your your teaching on the Sabbath, and your emphasis on the Sabbath, and helping us understand God's design for it. And so mm-hmm. we'll go there, we'll get to that point. But I want to start big picture with the whole Ten Commandments. And I'll give it this context real quick. When, uh, when I first came on staff here in 2015, one of the first sermon series I remember you doing in my first year, maybe, of, of being on staff, was The Lovable Law, and uh, which was the title that you gave to the sermon series, Walking Through the Ten Commandments. And so here we are again. We're teaching that on Sunday mornings. We're going through it. We're doing this podcast in conjunction with it to kind of dig deeper into each commandment. Um, but take us through your approach to the Ten Commandments. How should we as Christians approach the Ten Commandments, and what's kind of the big picture mm-hmm. of what God's doing there? Yeah, well, good to be with you guys. Uh, You know, I was impacted significantly about the beauty of the Old Testament when I was in seminary. Mm -hmm. And it probably was because uh, the most influential people in my life were the professors, and particularly one in the Old Testament department. And I just fell in love with the Old Testament. And I saw it in a way that I had never really understood the Mm -hmm. Old Testament. And, uh, And the teaching of the Ten Commandments, such a centerpiece you know, in the work of the Old Testament, early on in the, in the, the writing of Scripture of the Old Testament. And that just shaped my whole opinion because it was all about a covenant. Everything's about mm. a covenant. Mm. And so it's a covenant of grace. It's a covenant that God has made with His people. Mm-hmm. And at the very, very heart of a covenant, we should think of it this way, it's a marriage. Mm-hmm. It really is a marriage. And so I began to see the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments story, not just the Ten Commandments, but the story of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the centerpiece of those chapters, you know, from you know, early on, middle of, of the chapter, all the way through 24 and so forth. 
that it is the story of a marriage. Mm. It really is a story. It's God marrying his people. Mm. And when it says the nation, that word nation is goy, and it's referring to a group that is considered as an individual. Mm-hmm. And so he is marrying his people there mm. at that moment. And what you have here in the scriptures is a wedding ceremony mm. and all of the trappings of that marriage. Mm. So if you see the, the beginning of it right from the early on in, in uh, verse, I guess, verse three, you see an engagement that takes place. And God, and I'm just making this very, very simple and quick, but basically what God said was, okay, gather my people. Gather these people together. And he called him a goy. Hmm. And that was going to be his nation. So he says, come and gather before me. And so, you know, Moses says, okay. And then you have in the next uh, verses, uh, maybe it's 10 through 11, you have the preparation for the wedding. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this. I want you to cleanse yourself in this way. I want you to get beautiful. I want you to wear this. Mm-hmm. So they're getting all the wedding preparation at that point. And then you come to chapter 20 after all that's been done. You mm-hmm. come to chapter 20. And what you have then, you have the giving of the law. What is that? <laughs> Why? What is that? But before you come to chapter 20, you have this response in the 19th chapter. This is so critical. Speaking for the people of God and the people of God themselves cry out and say, okay, we want to be married. There was an engagement. Mm. We want to be married to our God. And here's the words. And whatsoever you say, that we shall do. And translated obey and a lot of, of the better translations. So they're going, we don't even know what, but this is a covenant. And the way it works, and when you have a covenant, you make promises and you make promises. And you say, okay, we're going to keep these promises. Isn't that what we do in a wedding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We make our promises. And so we don't just say, I promise in general to be a good husband. No, I promise to dot, 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 mm-hmm. dot. I promise to. And those are the stipulations of a covenant. But in this case, there was no stipulations going one way, and that was, okay, God, we'll accept you if. No, no, no. They're going, whatsoever you say, mm-hmm. we're going to do it. Yeah. You tell us what this means to be married. And immediately coming at the heels of that, we have the Ten Commandments. Mm. And these are the stipulations for love. So before I even go into it, well, you, you took the first four you know, you, you've got, okay, there's no other gods, there's no idols, you know. Um, you've got to, to um, name, uh, name, name yeah. in vain. You've yeah. got the sa- then the Sabbath and so forth. And you say, okay, those are just, no. Those are very specific to this covenant that's going to make for a royal marriage. Hmm. And these are the stipulations. So I pause there and say, okay, if I want to teach this to somebody, you know what I'd say? Let me tell you a story. That's a little story that just makes sense based on the truth of Scripture. I'd say, imagine that you ask the woman of your choice, if you're the male, you're asking the, the, man, the woman of your choice, would you marry me? I want to I get married. 
And uh, the was, oh, of course, I want to be married. I want to be married. But let's both share our stipulations. Mm-hmm. What are the stipulations to this marriage? There's going to be a covenant. And let's say the guy says, well, the first thing I want you to know is uh, I plan on dating uh, after our marriage, dating other people. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, uh, I've got a lot of pictures of old girlfriends that have meant the world to me, and I'd hate to lose the memory of them. So around the house, I just want you to be prepared. <laughs> there are going to be pictures and various trinkets and things and gifts and so forth that some very special women have given to me, and I don't, I don't want to forget those women. And oh, by the way, the ring deal, I'll wear it sometimes, but when I'm with some people, I don't think I want to wear the ring. But I will wear it some, depending upon where that is. So I'll pick and choose on that. And by the way, I want to be married. I want us to live in the same home. But, you know, this idea of intimacy and spending a lot of time together, I don't want you to expect that. I want to be free to use my time the way I want to use my time not the way you tell me to use. I mean, you can just smell the Ten Commandments right here. <laughs> mm. yeah. That's what it is. Mm. These are the stipulations of love. And the first four are relating to how you're going to interact with God mm-hmm. and the others with his creation humanity Yeah. and how we're going to live in, our, in the world mm. with people. And their stipulations say, here are the stipulations of a love relationship. And mm. when you see that, all of a sudden you go, well, these are wonderful. Mm-hmm. These are the best things. These are the laws of love. And that's how, and, and I close out with this. When you, when you come to, uh, well, turn over here to, to chapter 20, very interesting. When you come to verse uh, 20 of, of Exodus 20, very interesting. It says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. And so you see the, the two, mm. two of the great reasons for the law uh, to test man's love. Mm. It's to test, are you really going to be my people? Are you, you know, because it says God has come to test you. Mm. We want to find out, are you prepared to be my, my people? Mm. Think about Matthew 28. You go to the Great Commission and you say, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them what? Not teaching them all things, teaching them to observe mm. all things. Stipulation mm-hmm. of marriage. Mm. And it brings it right out of the, the very great commission that we think about. And then the, the end of that verse says, and so that you may not sin. So there's also the, the incredible importance to enhance our love mm. for him. Yeah. The law is what enables us to love. Break those laws and love will never take place. Mm. Keep those laws, you have the opportunity for love to take place. Mm. Now, you don't do these in order to create love. You do these to enhance love. Yeah, because you love. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a beautiful picture of the whole story of, yeah. of God's marriage to his people. And the whole Bible you start seeing as a covenant and you go, ah. Yeah. yeah. And then you see... You see David say, you know, oh, how I love thy law. Yeah. It's my mm-hmm. meditation day and night. And it's like, you know, yeah, all the scriptures, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremiah, eat, eat your law. And just, I mean, yeah. it's just like so many beautiful understandings of the beauty of the law. Is that enough? No, no, that's great. I, I love that framework. 
it's it's a it's a framework that uh, I would imagine people listening have not heard that before of that it's the marriage ceremony at Sinai, you yeah. know, of, of like, wow, okay. I've never thought of it that way. I've never seen that there. Um, and, and how, th- okay, this is a, these are stipulations for love. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we know from the bigger picture of scripture, right. As this story unfolds that, uh, you know, we can't really do it. Yeah. You know, we, 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 this is the heart of God. This is how we love God, but we're always going to fail in that endeavor. And ultimately, the law is going to expose us in our sin. So therefore, we need Jesus. Jesus then indwells us. And now we have the ability, now Christ in us, spirit within us, to actually do these things, mm-hmm. yeah. to do them, and to your point, because we love the Lord and because we want to do those things. Uh, it's, um, it's a beautiful picture, uh, man. I, want, I kind of want to camp out there longer, but I want to get to I want to get to the fourth commandment. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked last episode with uh, Kelly Capic up at Covenant Covenant College, and uh, Kelly, we had a great conversation with him, and we talked a lot about this commandment with him as well. So this is kind of part two of that. Um, and uh, the Sabbath can be a real hang up for people. Mm. Um, for sure. What's, what's, talk to us about that. What, how have you seen that be true? What is it that you most see people struggling with, yeah. with the Sabbath? Well, one, um, I think there are a number of reasons, but I, I, I guess right at the very beginning, I'd have to say people struggle with it because they don't understand it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the that's the the intellectual side. They don't really understand. Even the best of God's people, so many have never been schooled well to mm-hmm. understand the law or this particular law. Mm-hmm. And so you're already, you know, why is God doing? Why would He do this? Why does He tell me I can't do what on Sunday? And what am you know? And they see it, uh, all this stuff that's saying you're forbidden. And I say, until a person begins to see the fourth commandment as, wow, mm-hmm. look mm. what I get to do. Yeah. I don't have to work. Mm. Look what I get to do. I get to use the time I would work to get into an intimate or more intimate relationship with the Lord. Mm. So they don't see it that way. It's, uh-oh, this is going to stop me from doing work and to do play and to do this and to do that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, not that we don't work. God's given us some ways we are to work on Sunday. There are ways that we, we, we play to, to rest, that we do rest on Sunday, but they don't see the picture, which we'll get into in a few minutes, I'm sure, of what is that fourth commandment? What is it really trying to tell us? Mm -hmm. It's the greatest gift. I remember this, when I discovered, it's how it happened. A man that had so impacted my life came to me as I was in high school. And he said, let me ask you a question. Do you keep the Sabbath? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, let me just ask you this. Do you do homework on Sunday? And I said, no, nah, not really. I don't have to. I'm not that much homework. And it's not that hard. You know, I said, oh, I don't have to do much homework on Sunday. Is this but high school or college? High school. Yeah. No, college. I'm sure college, it was, oh, you were always having to do homework. Yeah. That, with the depth that, of intellectual. Oh, oh that institute you went to was, was yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, my go gracious. Ahead. 
I was wondering how long it would take y'all to start talking about Alabama. <laughs> Have a stopwatch over here. <laughs> we made it pretty far, didn't we? You did. I was yeah. impressed. <laughs> well, that's good. Let me just take a little drink here. Oh, oh, excuse me. Yeah, if you're on video, you just saw something beautiful. Yep. But uh, mm. anyway, um, they said, "Do you do?" I said, "No, I don't. I don't do homework on Sunday." But I, he said, "Would you if you got home?" I said, "Sure, I do homework on Sunday. It wouldn't bother me to do it." And he said. Uh, I'm going to challenge you. Don't do homework on Sunday. Hmm. Don't, don't do it. Do it early. Get it done. Oh, if you've got some cr- incredible, you know, you can control. Yeah, yeah, there except. But make that your, your norm. Hmm. And, uh, and then I used to think, oh, that's pretty cool. I don't have to do homework on Sunday. Hmm. Hmm. I've, got a, I've got the Lord freeing me from having to do something that hmm. I don't want to do. Yeah. And then it put it in, started putting it in perspective. And I always tell people, until you get to the place that you get to think, how can I keep the Lord's day more mm. efficiently mm. rather than do I have to stop this on Sunday? Oh, that's good. Once you're saying, can I, is this okay? You don't understand it. Yeah, we see it. Primarily as restrictive rather than than renewing, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so you have first of all, I want to tell you. Sorry, just to kind of pause for a second. This is such a treat for me. I was thinking about how special all of our podcasts are, mm. but getting to sit with my head pastor mm. and then um, the founding pastor of Perimeter, who was our head pastor for fifteen years, mm. and so often I've heard this teaching over and over again, but it never, um, every time I hear it, and it's just as riveting and just mm. as exciting because uh, you talk about it truly in a way um, where you show us how God is offering something to us. He's not requiring something from us. He's, he's mm. truly offering something to us. So speaking of things that you have done to invest in the life of Perimeter and so many other churches, you have a book called A Remedy for a Disordered Life. And I want you to talk a little bit about this. But I'll prompt you with this uh, chapter title, the very first chapter. You say seven days of work makes one week, but you spell week W-E-A-K. Seven days of work makes one week. What do you mean by that? All right. Um, I read a a quote. I wish I had that quote with me. And... uh, but it was just about how uh, it's, that, it's that moment of the week that we go to the window to see the, mm. to see the uh, eternal perspective. Mm. And uh, I, I, I built an analogy out of that, and I said, imagine being in a room that is uh, a, a very large, spacious uh, room, and uh, right in the middle of that room is a treadmill. And this pictures the walls that is the wall of time. That is what we know as temporal today. Everything outside those walls is eternal. All right? And the treadmill represents my work. Hmm. And so God says, I want you to get on that treadmill and I want you to, I want you to to run at a, a fairly good pace six days a week. I just want you to run faithfully for six days. Mm. 
But on the seventh day, I want you to get off the treadmill for one day, and I want you to see that one mirror, that one window that's over on that far wall, and I want you to go stand at that window for the day. And outside that window, you're going to see eternity. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is you don't get to go into eternity, but you can bring the understanding of eternity to you. And so I want you to look and stare out that window and see me, see my ways, understand them better because you stood there for a day. And then you're going to bring them back and you're going to run with perspective. And what's going to happen is you're going to run at a moderate and appropriate pace where you're going to see your peers in their little rooms. They don't even notice there's a window out there. Hmm. And they run seven days thinking, if I run seven days, I'll get further than everybody else is getting running on their treadmill. And I'll get a lead. So I've got to use that seventh day. And it's really making them weak. Hmm. Because the whole story of the problem of mankind today because of sin is really an absence of rest and perspective. Hmm. Hospital rooms are full. Mental illness wards are, f- are, are full. Mm. Um, you look at, at uh, depression, you know, people in, in hospitals for depression, people for, I mean, you just look, and what's the remedy? I found an interesting article in 2016, and uh, I pulled a, a couple of details out of here. It was in Time Magazine, and it was entitled Anxiety, Depression, and the Modern Adolescent. Listen to this. Now, this is 2016. You got to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was all happened since 16. 30% of girls and 20% of boys had anxiety disorders mm. in that year. 30% of teens felt hopeless at least two consecutive weeks back to back. 1.7 million hits that year on hashtag self harm. And one year later, 2.4 million. Mm-hmm. This is what I noted at the over and over, and this is a secular, you know, written by doctors and so forth, mm-hmm. over and over, these two words, perspective and rest, hmm. rest and perspective. And so what I say is when you go to the window is when you, you get your, when you get off the treadmill is when you get your rest. Mm-hmm. But so many people today say, well, I don't do those things on Sunday. I don't do those things. I like. But they don't get any perspective hmm. because they're not using that time to find ways to get to the window to look and bring in perspective. Hmm. And so when I'm teaching on the Lord's Day, I start talking about, well, how do you use your window time? Mm-hmm. We know how to get off the treadmill. Mm-hmm. We may not be willing to, but we know how. Yeah. We know how to walk to the window. That's not hard. We just don't have find the time to do it mm-hmm. or the interest to do it. Mm. But if you understand, you know, what you're going to get by going to that window, there's a high motivation to take that day and mm-hmm. spend it differently. So what do you, I've always loved, I've heard you share that picture for us uh, many times before. It's always such a good reminder. What, so natural question would be, what, what does Practically speaking, what does it look like for us to look out the window? Well, and I, I mm-hmm. also ask, as you tell about what it looks like for you as an empty nester, 
what might it look like for, you know, Jeff, his kids being teenagers, my kids still being very young. (laughs) What does it look like in those stages of life as well? Yeah. Well, I say this. It looks like the window is the same. The outdoor eternity is the same. Of course, the treadmill, that's a little different. But there are incredible barriers to get to that window (laughs) in your stages particularly and yours as well. But Mm -hmm. there are barriers that other people don't have that Mm -hmm. aren't in that stage of life. Yeah. There's no doubt. And so I say, hey, let's be realist. Mm. I I can't get to the window that long. I can't just say, kids, I hope you don't die, but I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't, you got to say there are things that, and you have to deal with your children, which I'm sure we may talk about some of this too. How do you make the Lord's Day attractive Mm. to children? Mm -hmm. Mm. But all that said, whether that's issue or not, you got to say, I can't get there. And I'm not going to whack myself saying, I can be disappointed that I don't get more time at the window. Mm. But I, I shouldn't say, woe is me. I'm a bad person. I didn't get to the window. Like, now you're getting into legalism, which mm. is just, you know, this will please God. This, wait, the Lord is, part, he is, he is the one that is, has blessed with these obstacles to get to the window. And mm-hmm. he knows that. But he knows your heart, too, and he knows you love getting to the window. And you can get to the window some, mm-hmm. and you get to the window, and you peer out. Mm-hmm. The big thing is, do people know what to do when they're standing at the window? Yeah. That's, that's where a lot of people go, oh, I don't really know what I'd do to be at the window. But at least yeah. we don't have to get to the window all day. Mm-hmm. And is getting to the window, is that going to church? Is that alone time with the Lord? Is it both? Is it time with family? Is it, you know, what, how do you begin to define what looking out the window is? What gives you rest and what gives you perspective? Mm. If it doesn't give you perspective all day, I get no new perspective or new renewed perspective into God and his ways and my life and my love with him. Then I didn't get to the window, you Mm. know, too well, but if I do find those things, then I'd say that was hmm. very successful. Yeah. So for you personally, what is, a, what is a Sabbath day, what is getting to the window on the, on the Sabbath look like for you on a, you know, on a, on a given You're Sunday? You're not asking me what I'm looking for out the window. You're saying, what does it look like to get to the window? Yeah. Or, or what are, what are yeah. Sabbath practices yeah, there you that go. you what could are, encourage us towards? And that you do personally. I'd love to hear what well, you do on the Sabbath. Yeah. Well, I'm, mine is, is pretty much, uh, my getting to the window is primarily two things. It's taking a long walk mm. <laughs> on on Sunday. Yep. Well, and I know, I know this because we've lived in the same neighborhood for about 15 years now. So I can tell you, every Sunday, I see this man just... Yep. Walking all through the neighborhood. Yep. I love I love doing that. And, uh, and and there's some specific things about that walk that make it, I'm just not taking a walk. Mm-hmm. I'm looking out the window on that walk. Yeah. And, uh, and not every minute of the walk, but that's the bulk of what I'm doing mm-hmm. during that time. Um, so that's one. And number two is a practice I've had for years that uh, I, I don't get enough of. I, I don't think I'll ever get enough of it. It's, it's, it's what I call PPMP time. It's pencil, paper, and prayer. Hmm. And, uh, 
And what I do is during that time, I try to think through the, what I understand is the three things you're trying to do when you're looking out the window. Mm. Um, I don't want to get into that now or not, but yeah, yeah, go, go ahead, for it. Please. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first thing, uh, and I would frame this around, uh, uh, I heard another teacher at some point a long time ago uh, refer to the past, present, and future. Mm. Uh, so it's a time, these would be my words, but it's a time to remember the past. Number two, it's a time to uh, reevaluate the present. Mm. And number three, it's a time to, re I'll call it, re envision mm. the future. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. And so, the first one, if I say, what do you mean, remember the past? When I'm on that walk, I'm trying to spend a portion of that walk thinking about um, uh, what do I, what am I told to do in the text of Exodus and then in Deuteronomy? Mm -hmm. And you know, it's very interesting. Those are, you have the, the fourth commandment literally word for word until you get down in the Deuteronomy 5, I think it is, chapter, I think it's verse 15, you get there and, oops, it cuts off this and adds this. Mm -hmm. And what's the first one? The first one is remember the Sabbath. And when it says in order and why and so forth, when it the first one says because God created and it starts talking about his creation. Mm -hmm. So we remember his creation, which we know in Genesis, it tells us very quickly, it was good. Mm -hmm. So it says, remember, I am the creator. I create good. Say, okay, God, I need to remember your creator. Well, you go to Deuteronomy, and when it gets down to the reason, it says, because I delivered you out of Egypt, hmm. yeah. which is a, a picture of a deliverance, a far greater deliverance that was going to come through a Messiah. Yeah. But it was it was pointing to that. Now we understand that. So as I always say, the frame, like for parenting, I say, if we can have a teaching uh, volume of truth to our kids that is just constantly picturing God with power, creator, and then with love, mm -hmm. redeemer. Mm-hmm. So what do you see in the Bible? You know, you got the, the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer says, pray in this way. Our Father who cares, here's mm -hmm. your love, mm -hmm. who is in heaven, heave on, who is powerful. Mm -hmm. You see, he is, our, he is our rock, his power. Yeah. And then you see, he is our, in so many terms, just mm -hmm. talking about, you know, his love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you just see those coupled together over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I think God's trying to say, look, if you can remember that I am your creator and redeemer, you're in a good place. Mm -hmm. So I want to think through, well, first of all, when I'm looking out that window, I want to remember the past. I want to say, let me remember how much, you know, power you have. And that's when I take my walk and I say, hey, God, I, I, and by the way, a walk with him. I don't talk to him all the time. I'm not mm -hmm. saying words all the time, but I'm acknowledging his presence and saying, I'm just taking a walk with you and I'm going to see some things I'm going to talk to you about. I'm mm -hmm. going to think about some things that mm -hmm. are going to be praising your power or asking for your power. Mm -hmm. So let me just think, um, Lord, would you, and I, this is my often prayer. Carol thinks I've got a friendship with, 
with some deer out in where I walk. I walk through that. You, you know where it is, that I little, know exactly little road. Where it, yeah. And, and uh, it's got woods around it and a lot of deer in it. But I'll say, Lord, if you'll just show off a little to me mm. today, I want to show off. I, I want to brag on you. Mm. And so when I ask him to show off, sometimes, you know, it's a, a direct answer to my prayer. I don't know. But there will pop out a couple of deer, mm. perhaps. <laughs> and I just stare at those deer and I say, wow. As I often use the illustration of squirrel, I remember vividly uh, a couple years ago, I'm looking, there's a squirrel. I didn't see deer. I just saw a squirrel, and I look at that squirrel, and the squirrel sees me, and he looks around, and there is a fence that's above my head, and that little squirrel looks at me and says, <laughs> I'm scared, and literally took two steps, jumped six feet high, <laughs> And landed squarely on a one-inch board. It's yeah, amazing. And, and sat there. And I said, "That's pretty good, God. That's pretty good. <laughs> Those little legs are only this big. I don't know yeah. how bing that gets them up that high." You, you got to be careful with that prayer, though, because I mean, he might really show off and give you a bear one day. Oh, I could. You know, that's right. There's, there's a lot of things that can come out of those woods. I'd say, "Show me your power now." Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. There you go. There you go. But anyway, just this idea of. Uh, of just, you know, the power and then the, the love, the redemption. I said, let me let me just think what the cross means. What happened at the cross? And, mm. you know, mm -hmm. much like you think at communion time. Mm. So those two, if I can just think a little bit more about his mm. love and his power, that to me is a great use of that time. And then PP and P, I sit down and I say, Lord, what do I need mm. to... What do I need to change? And that takes me really to the present more when, mm. I, when I'm doing the PP and P time. Uh, present... Um, you know, reevaluating, I say, Lord, what is it you want to do differently in the way I'm using my time, the way I'm caring for my body, the way I'm this, the way I'm doing mm -hmm. that, the way I'm, you know, and I have a whole list of little things that I can think about, and it's a time maybe to, but I'm just thinking, what about my present needs mm -hmm. maybe a little shifting, a little changing, and then mm -hmm. when I think of the future, uh, I think about going to heaven. So when mm -hmm. I'm on my walk, uh, I try to have a few minutes during that time to think about dying. Hmm. And I try to picture, what will it be like? Will I be laying in a bed suffering? Will I be immediately taken out of this world by automobile wreck? Will I be, I don't know, Lord. Hmm. When will it be? Was it, could it be, I might be there tomorrow. Oh, hmm. well, it could be I'm there. And, and I'll tell you, I'll give a source. Uh, our people have heard me share this. In fact, I had this shown when I was supposed to be preaching one Sunday. Um, but after our General Assembly of the mm. PCA and our 48th General Assembly, the, um, the moderator um, gave one of the greatest sermons, and it was on heaven. Mm. And, uh, it, it was so good. It pierced my heart. It gave me a joy and a mm. look for heaven. And I, uh, I wrote down the, uh, I think it's, it, you just, if you looked under 48GA, which is our 48th General Assembly, mm -hmm. I guess it was, 48GA, mm -hmm. Howie Donahoe. D-O-N-A-H-O-E, Howie Donahoe. It's 28 minutes, and he's a layman. Hmm. He's an airplane pilot. Yeah. And, oh, just gave me a picture of heaven. So I try to think that picture of hmm. what, what heaven will be like. Hmm. And it's this. It, it's to remember. It's all about remembering, but it's yeah. remembering that the best is yet to come. Hmm. Mm. And if I can say that to myself and think about it and do it in the presence of the Lord enough over and over and over, mm. then it probably imprints the way I live and think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, one, one last question from each of us. Okay. So you present such a beautiful picture mm. of what God offers us. So why do we resist? Why are mm. we not um, just intuitively setting that time aside uh, the way that God, God calls us to? Yeah. Mm. Well, from this point on, if somebody hears this teaching or this type of teaching, not just from me, you can't say, I don't understand. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I, I got it now. So a lot of people don't get it and they don't, oh, and they hear it and they go, oh, I want to do that the rest of my life or whatever. But I think it's the, it's the issue of the heart that makes us all want to sin. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, we have a sin nature that has to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We have to be. Or even though Christian, if we don't appropriate the power, the willpower can't get us far enough. And all of a sudden, our will power to not do something I don't see as attractive as going there and doing that and having this. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a battle that we lose over and over. I lose the battle. I mean, I hope you, one of the things I don't like, I'm being truthful in everything I'm saying and what I do, but oh, it's a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, when that Sunday afternoon comes, I look forward to that walk and then I find, you know what? I walk through there, oh, you know what, if I, I don't, next thing I know, I'm an hour later, I say, why did you not, why did you not give yourself, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Why don't you do something more productive? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and it's not living in, in guilt, you know, but it's just, look what I'm missing. Why, why would I not do that? But I think it's just the same reason, why does we sin? Yeah. It's because they were tempted to, and I'll guarantee you, the evil one does not want us to keep the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart to see the younger generation today, particularly, who are dismissing church. Mm. And I think that church is the central core of the Lord's day. All right, I'm going to hit pause right there because that was going to be my question. Okay, fire away. Um, I was, well, first let me say this. When, when I hear you, every time I hear you teach on the Sabbath, I say every time, maybe not every time, but one of the words that I always walk away with in my mind, and I'm thinking about it again right now, is I hear you talk, I I just think intentionality, Mm -hmm. right? Like if we're not intentional with the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. we'll let it just become whatever. But, you know, everything you've just shared in these last minutes together is intentional. You're intentional to remember. Mm -hmm. You're intentional to reevaluate the present. You're intentional to think about the future and re-envision the future and there's there's got to be an intentionality with yeah. it. And so so what I was going to ask you was, there also has to be an intentionality. Uh, if I know anything about you, it's that, man, you, you have you have been a faithful, faithful, faithful um, example and teacher of the importance of corporate worship and the importance of being together with God's people on Sunday, worshiping together. Yeah. And you have to be intentional with that. You can't just, you know, if we just go, well, I'll go if I feel like it then we're not going to go very often, probably. Right. So you were about to go there. Yeah. So that was going to be my last question. Talk yeah. more about why, why is that so important? Well, today, uh, if you keep in mind, the Lord in, in the creation mandates and at the very beginning, he gives us two responsibilities, two laws that he gives that are pre-Mosaic, which means they continue forever. Mm. And one, I call it the, the law of the seventh, and the law of the tenth. The seventh is one day out of seven, you give that to the Lord. Mm. The other is one out of ten, a tenth, 
you give to the Lord. Mm. Those are your resources. And if you think about it, time and resources are everything that mm. are critical to us. And if we will give that, then the other will take care of itself. Mm. You've, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't hold on the other as mine. You say, the other I dedicate to your use, but I'm to steward it and use it f- for what mm. I'm doing. Mm. This is not what I'm doing. And I think when you come to the, the Lord's Day, what you see in Scripture about the gathering of the church, it's not that I did an exercise of listening to church sermon, uh, I sang some songs, or I listened to some songs. No, it's gathering mm-hmm. among the people of God, yeah. which tells a lot of what we should do in church. and what. That, but gathering mm. is so critically important. And so with my kids, I think this is just a, a good, because I know we've got to close down. Uh, kids are the hard problem. What do you do with your kids? Yeah. Do you want them to hate God and Sunday? Mm-hmm. No. So we came along in much e- easier for us then than you guys, you know, in the younger generation. But we started having practices on Sunday and games on Sunday mm-hmm. for the various sports. And I, I told our kids, I said, guys, um, you know, people have conscience, but I'm going to, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a line down on the ground. I said, I'm going to teach you guys a, a word that you don't understand. It's called arbitrary. Mm-hmm. What's arbitrary mean? You know, and I go, well, <laughs> it means it could be here, it could be there, but we have to, but we have to find a line. Mm-hmm. And I tell parents, find your line, and make sure your conscience and heart says we truly believe that this is mm-hmm. a biblical line for us. Mm-hmm. And when they said we're practicing at eleven in the morning, or we're doing a game at you know whatever, I'd say, guys, I don't like the idea of doing it at two in the afternoon, because it robs. When to time and, of you know, whatever. Okay, maybe, maybe, you know, but I'll say this. This is the hard line that we're going to draw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we can't do the Lord's corporate gathering and the things that we do in the life of our church, I wouldn't say I'm taking out of school today. I'm taking out of school today. I'm taking out of school today because it's mm-hmm. not convenient for me. We don't, you know, we've got an opportunity. I say you're going to yeah. school and it's pretty set. So I say, so here it is. All the youth ministry, all the things that are part that I think are important for you, we do that. But if something interferes with that, we don't do it. But if it's on the rest of the day, you know, okay. But by the way, those things, the rest of the day, if you don't do it, I'll give you this much money. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I gave them money that would say, I want to give you a great incentive, and but I'm trying to press the beauty of what you miss mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. don't, you know, yeah. long term. But that's hard to do. I don't think I necessarily yeah. did a great job. I don't think that I do a wonderful job of applying on a every Sunday basis what I'm sharing right now. Mm-hmm. It's an effort every Sunday. Yeah. But I fail and I get distracted and I get this comes up and this. It's, it's hard. Yeah, it's a battle. But it, it, that's my thing. And I close it. If you're not fighting the war, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're not winning the war, just keep fighting. Yeah. And I, I think uh, we got a lot of people that are believers in this world that aren't fighting yeah. for the seventh or the tenth. And they're saying those yep. are gone. And yep. they don't know what they're missing in their life. Yep. And That's what God right. has for them in that. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. What you say often is not what God wants from you, it's what he wants for you. For you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I shared this in the last episode, but I'll, I'll mention it again. Rachel and I have really, we've, we've struggled a lot with 
we're in that world where, uh, and I know so many listening are too, but our, our girls have practices and, and occasionally some competitions, um, on Sundays. And we've, we've had to do that very thing. And, and, from your teaching and you and I talking about where is that line? And, and we have, for the most part, with some exceptions where we haven't enforced this, but for the most part, we've enforced that line being, well, if, if a practice or game takes you out of the ability to have corporate worship, then we're, that's where we're going to draw the line. Now, 2 p.m. practice, I don't love it, yeah. but, but that's okay. Yeah. We'll, you know, yeah. we'll make that work. I agree. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a battle. It really is a battle, and and uh, being able to uh, being able to be before the Lord uh, with a clear conscience of you know mm-hmm. again of saying okay Lord I want to honor you. This isn't about are you going to smite me or not? Or are you going to hate me? Or it's more about I, gosh you've got some great things for me here that I want to walk in. Yeah. So, and if you, you can't, know. and if you cannot say yes to things that they want to do with all their heart, they're gonna they're gonna say. I'm mad at you. I don't like what you do. They may tell you they don't like you, but it gives us every reason in the world to work the rest of our parenting that we can control and say, be as attractive of parents as you can be. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Be attractive for them Yeah. so that they go, but you got to like them. Mm. 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 What, I, what I love that you shared is, is this idea of drawing the line and figuring out, okay, what is my principle? Uh, figuring that out before the opportunity comes along yeah. so that when the opportunity comes along, we're not forming our principles exactly. about the Sabbath around the opportunity. Mm. That's it. That's very good. That's really good. Man. Well, I wish we could keep going. We For the sake of time, we'll cut it here. But, uh, Randy, we just thank you and love you. Thanks for yeah. spending time thank with you. us. Thank you. And for sharing your wisdom. Always a blessing. Always a blessing. Well, I appreciate uh, you being my pastor. So yeah, that's, oh goodness, that's good. oh goodness, that always, you know. Earlier, by the and way, my worship leader. Earlier, you said fifteen years. You were meaning he's been your pastor for fifteen years. Yes. Uh, but led just for clarification for those listening and watching, led Perimeter Church for forty-two mm-hmm. years uh, before he um, passed it on to to this, you know. This hot mess right here, but uh, no. Can you believe we're coming up on four years? By the time that's this airs, it will have been four that's years. That's amazing. It is yeah. crazy. Four years. And you're doing a great job. Well, yep. thank you. I, I you, pay you, you a lot. You to have say a great that. mentor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did have the best of mentors for sure. So, thanks for sticking with us. Um, we'll continue the conversation through these Ten Commandments in the weeks to come. I hope you'll tune in for those as well. Uh,